0: My name is Hayden Hawks. I'm from Cedar City, Utah. Uh, just got home yesterday from the Black Canyon 100k and we're going to talk about the Black Canyon 100k today and my nutrition strategy and some tips that I might be able to give out about how to fuel a 100k and run really fast.
1: Yeah, you did <laughs> run really fast. Would you run 730 something?
0: Yeah, I think it was seven hours, 30 minutes and 18 seconds was the official time.
1: Yeah. It was a pretty wild day to like watch all that happen with the conditions and everything. And like, I guess before we start, like just congrats, like that's freaking incredible. It was a great time and a great day out there. Yeah. Thanks
0: man. Yeah. Thanks for, for being out there as well. (laughs) It was good to see you at all the aid stations. You know, I, um, it was really cool that, you know, you were out there and able to capture some of the footage and get some good filming in and really excited for what we're going to produce from that. So it'll, it'll be really, really cool to be able to have that and, to be able to capture kind of the the training leading into the race and also the the race itself yeah for sure i think it's gonna
1: be a fun film um, billy and i are collabing on it and i think it's gonna be really interesting and like just as interesting as like the day was i guess because with all like the variables that played out like it was kind of nuts with the race getting delayed twice then the rain and the snow and just mud and everything it was kind of like an epic day as far as uh conditions go
0: yeah yeah and you were able to witness the whole thing you know i uh, it was pretty crazy. Like I've never had it, uh, an experience like that before, where you wake up, you know, at five a.m. You know, I woke up at five a.m. two hours before the start of the race. You know, I was getting breakfast and was like getting ready to go, um, you know, to drive up to the to the start line. And then all of a sudden, we get a message that the race is delayed two hours. You know, till nine a.m. And it was like, oh well, I just ate breakfast. Well, I guess I am going to go back to sleep. So I went back to sleep, got another hour of sleep, and then woke up again, had a second breakfast. And then they were like, oh, the, the, you know, we got there getting ready for the race. They're like, oh, it's delayed another 30 minutes. And it was like, well, it's time for third breakfast, you know, and had another little, uh, little bit of carbs just to keep things, you know, under control and and level. And, but yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't too bad though, to be honest with you. And, And honestly, I've, I've dealt with a lot of like bad conditions in the past in races that I've, I've had, I've kind of been in every scenario. So I felt like I was able to keep, keep a pretty level head and, and feel uh, pretty under control and, and not let it get to me, you know, all the, the craziness. And I was actually okay with it because I usually start most of my runs around 9 a.m. So it was kind of perfect for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like. Um, let's, let's jump into your numbers at Precision Posted. So I just want to go over the numbers of like your time the temps, and like your actual like carbs an hour, sodium and fluid. Like what, what were those numbers?
0: Yeah, um, let me look them up exactly. I don't remember exactly what they are, but I know I got
1: 109 grams
0: of carbs in per hour. So yeah, they posted this morning. Um, I went through after the race with them and was able to kind of jump on a call with one of their head scientists over there at Precision. And that's what I love about Precision is they're just really on top of things. You know, they had a couple people out at the race to gather a lot of this uh, data and information which was really cool to have them there. You know, they're there not only to collect data, but also to support me and to help me if, if anything were to go wrong with my nutrition strategy. You know, they're, they're very educated in all of this. And so they can be there to help me kind of get out of it or, or find solutions, which is really cool. Um, and they've been there the, throughout the whole entire process of getting me ready for the race. You know, right before the race, we were on some calls just to make sure everything was was dialed in and ready to go. And at the end, I I ended up, yeah, hitting the numbers that I wanted to hit and had no stomach issues, no problems at all. So I hit 109 grams of carbs per hour. Uh, I averaged 486 milliliters per hour and uh, 1,063 milligrams of sodium per liter per hour.
1: That's or pretty per awesome.
0: Hour, per liter. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah,
1: per, per liter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's clarify that. Like you did 1,063 milligrams of sodium per liter of fluid that you took in, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so for every liter of, of water I was taking in, I was also taking in 1,063 milligrams of sodium, which is right at where my numbers are. You know, I've been sweat tested a couple times, and my numbers are right around 900 milligrams to 1,100 milligrams. So it depends on the race. Like if it's a little bit hotter race, I try and get a little bit closer to that 1,100 milligrams per liter. Um, You know, at the beginning of the race, maybe I was getting a little bit less milligrams per. uh, Well, I was keeping the average the same. um, But of course, I was drinking less. So I was getting less uh, sodium in. But then towards the end of the race, I was drinking more. So I was getting more sodium in. And I think that's the the thing that's relevant with that is like a lot of people, they try and get a certain amount of sodium per hour, but it's not per hour. It's per the amount that you're drinking. So if you're drinking, you know, you, you've got to first find out your numbers, of course. But then once you find out your numbers, you base it off of that. So For me i'm right around a thousand milligrams per liter of water so a one-to-one ratio in, in essence which is really nice and easy math um so if i'm drinking 500 milliliters of water i have to half that right so 500 milligrams of sodium and so on and so forth so at the beginning of the race i was probably only drinking 200 to 300 milliliters of water uh per hour and so of course my, my sodium was right around 200 to 300 milligrams of sodium, um, for that two to 300 milliliters that I was drinking.
1: Yeah. I find that super interesting. Cause like, just for example, like your wife is a very like heavy sweater compared to you, like sodium concentration wise. And so it's like, you just have to do a slightly different like formulation, I guess, as far as sodium goes, but it's interesting how different it is between person to person.
0: Yeah. We're all different. Right. And, and, you know, the precision guys, when they came out um, this last weekend before Black Canyon, they were doing some sweat tests on my wife and some of my crew and just, uh, you know, people that really wanted to find out their numbers. And we, we kind of saw that, right? Everybody was a little bit different. Like some of the, the people that were getting their sweat tests done were right around like 500 milligrams per liter. And then like people like my wife, she's right around like 1500 milligrams per liter and then I'm, I'm kind of right there in the middle, right around a thousand milligrams per liter.
1: Yeah. Like I find that just interesting, but let's kind of, let's move on. Let's talk about like the night before the race. Like you had everything pretty like set up as far as like your, um, like your crew was there and your, your strategy and everything, but like diet wise, what did you do the night before? Um, did you have like a big old meal or did you just kind of keep it simple?
0: Um, I kept it pretty similar to what I would normally do. Like I've always kind of been a huge advocate of, you know, don't mess up what's been working, you know, like, I have a, a pretty standard diet that I stick to for the most part. Um, and, you know, I don't think you need to change everything up right before race day. Like, you don't need to be throwing in foods that you're not used to, you don't need to be really trying to completely up your carbohydrates. Yes, I, I will take in a little bit more carbohydrates, the week before of the race. And, you know, the few days before the race, I'll maybe, you know, up those percentages just a little bit, but I do still keep protein in. Um, I'm, I, I, I typically am a pretty high protein diet. Um, I, I do eat carbohydrates. I'm not completely, you know, protein based or fat based. Um, I do, do a very balanced diet. Um, but that being said, you know, the week or the few days before the race, I will still keep my protein relatively the same, but up my carbohydrates just a little bit. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, it's pretty standard. Um, you know, the, the day before the race, I, um, kept it pretty standard. I, I ate some oatmeal, some eggs, uh, for breakfast. I think in the, for lunch, I, ate some eggs, maybe some toast. I think I had a a protein shake, uh, some yogurt, uh, different things like that for, for right around lunch. And then kept my snacks pretty much the same throughout the day. And then for dinner, I ate some pizza, um, had some more yogurt. I think I had another protein shake and then went to bed. And so my protein intake was actually pretty high the day before the race. I think I had I think we went over it, you know, we were talking about it and I had close to 200 grams of protein the day before the race. Um, and then I still had quite a bit of carbs as well, you know, with the pizza and the oatmeal and different things like that. And yeah, I, I, I kept to a pretty standard diet that I would normally do and felt normal
1: and good and had no issues going into the race. Yeah, you seem pretty comfortable and it was interesting to break down like your actual protein that you took in the, the day before because it was a lot higher than I think we both thought. But like once you add in every little bit, like from the yogurt and everything, it was like pretty high, which was cool to see. But then also you weren't like skimping on the carbs because the carbs are obviously important for you. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, and of course you're, you're going to need carbs, especially when you're running that fast in this type of race. Um, And so, yeah, I wanted to, you know, keep my glycogen levels up and I, I normally do that. <laughs> That's the thing is like, it's not like I'm changing everything up or or trying to you know reinvent the wheel. It's like I'm sticking to what I know works for me. I'm always trying to maintain you know my glycogen levels because I'm doing a lot of hard workouts. I'm doing a lot of speed work. I'm doing a lot of things that require glycogen, and so I keep those up. Um, and then also um, keeping my protein up because I still need to be recovering, you know, especially during a taper. Like I've broke my body down throughout the block of training you know i'm just coming off of my three biggest weeks of training you know that's breaking down a lot of muscle it's it's you know important to make sure that you're recovering um after your biggest weeks of training and in the taper like i still think it's important to keep protein in there um and i just feel better when i am getting a good amount of protein i wake up the next morning feeling more recovered uh, I wake up, you know, feeling sh- stronger and able to run at my best. And honestly, that's just kind of what I focus on day in and day out throughout my training block. And in the weeks leading into the race.
1: For sure. Like, I think it's important to like, if was worked for you, like, keep rolling with it, like why change it if it's a working strategy. Um, let's talk about breakfast that morning, I guess breakfast one and breakfast two, like, I remember like, when we woke up, like, uh, you were eating breakfast I don't remember what you were eating though so what did you have for that first breakfast and then subsequently the second breakfast with the delayed start
0: Yeah yeah so I kind of got the message right in the middle of <laughs> my first breakfast and so I usually try and eat uh, my breakfast like around 90 minutes before the race um and typically I would do oatmeal uh maybe one or two pieces of toast um and then a yogurt. Um, and that's what I did on the the first breakfast. Um, well, no, I I only ate the toast and the yogurt. And then, um, when I went back to sleep, woke up, I ate the oatmeal. Um, and so I kind of split it up just a little bit. And then I think right before the race, like 30 minutes before the race, I drank a Red Bull and ate a precision chew. And so I was still getting a good amount of carbohydrates in and was able to, um, yeah, not be hungry, you know, going into the race, uh, had a big enough breakfast, I felt it was kind of spread out. You know, typically, like I said, I if we didn't have all the delays, I would have just done the yogurt, the toast and the oatmeal about 90 minutes to two hours before. And then um, right before 30 minutes before the race, I would take a start drinking a Red Bull and then have like a gel or a chew. And that's typically what I would do.
1: Nice. Let's talk about during the race thing, because I think I think a lot of people struggle with like just overcomplicating overcomplicating like their race day nutrition and changing things up and experimenting. You had it pretty dialed we can talk about that after this, but like, what did you do as far as like drink mix and and gels during the race? And then did you do caffeine as well?
0: Yeah. So I kept it exactly the same as I've done in training for the last, you know, four or five months. You know, honestly, I've been working on trying to get more carbohydrates in, um, during training. Therefore I can do it in racing. Um, so I've been doing a lot of testing, um, training the gut on the bike and running. And uh, I felt like I executed that really well on race day. Um, I went into the race with a lot of confidence with my nutrition, knowing that I had never had stomach issues, you know, in the training blocks um, that I felt like I wasn't like gagging or I wasn't having issues. Uh, I think the longest run I did with the nutrition that I did on race day was close to five hours. And I felt perfect, like no issues, no bathroom problems, no nothing. Um, and then even like, and this is maybe something interesting that maybe some people don't do, you know, in the taper, you're running a lot less, you're not doing as long of long runs. Um, you know, you're not really, um, able to, I guess, do a ton of nutrition because maybe your longest long run is two hours. Maybe it's 90 minutes. You know, I think a week before the race, my I did I did my last long run and it was 90 minutes long which isn't technically that long of a of a run. Um but I still this is the interesting thing is a lot of people they I think they take away their nutrition that they've been training with because they're not doing long enough runs in the taper. But one thing that I really focus on is continuing to keep that gut trained throughout the taper. So on a 90 minute run I'm still going to do my nutrition strategy that i would do on race day um you know or a 2 hour run and and so i think in the week before the race i still did my nutrition strategy two or three times and then the week of the race even though i think my longest run the week of the race was only like an hour i think that was the longest run i did in the week of the race i still did my nutrition that i would normally do on race day for that hour just to keep my gut and my mind trained to be able to keep that nutrition. in. also it aids in recovery, you know, after those runs. And even though they're not long or super hard, it's still important to recover. You want to be as recovered as possible when you reach that starting line and you want to feel healthy, you want to feel fresh. Well, why not keep doing your nutrition strategy to keep your glycogen levels up and to help you aid in your recovery during that taper? Plus, it keeps the gut trained, right? And so I, I I do that throughout all of my training. Like in the 10, 12-week training block before the race, I was doing my nutrition strategy at least twice a week, if not three, sometimes four times a week. And then I kept that into the taper all the way till race day. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know um if, if that's kind of what you were wanting to hear, but... <laughs>
1: Oh, no, definitely. I think it's important, like just simply from like the the gut training perspective, like your microbiome and your gut changes pretty quickly, honestly. And so if you like, say you're practicing like that carb intake and that same nutrition product intake for however many hours or miles or whatever, and you stop doing that for like a week or two, it could potentially cause GI issues on race day. So I think what you're doing is like, as far as keeping that same strategy, just keeps your gut almost like in shape to handle that product and that amount of carbohydrates on the race day.
0: Yeah. And it's not just the nutrition too, it's the hydration as well. And I'm continuing to do the hydration as well. Um, and making sure that I'm, yeah, like you said, continuing to keep that gut trained. So it is ready to be able to handle it on race day. That way, when I go into the race, I'm not worried about anything. Like I know that I can handle it. I know that I'm not going to have stomach issues because I haven't had stomach issues before. Um, and as long as I can just kind of keep that mindset and keep doing, you know, that keeping that routine, I should be just fine on race day.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, did you do all gel or drink mix or what did you do throughout the day? And then I obviously had to meet your sodium intake as well. So like, did you do salt caps?
0: Yeah, so I kept it pretty, pretty simple, actually. Um, Gel, water, and sodium, salt caps. So that's all I had was salt, gel, and water. Um, And of course, for a race like this, where it is very runnable, you know, you're running at a pretty high Heart rate, you know, you're running at a pretty high intensity the entire day. Like, of course, you want something that's going to be able to, um, digest easily and to be able to get into the system pretty quickly. And so that's why I stuck to gel. Um, and it's just easier to get down, easier to carry, especially when you're running that fast. Um, maybe for something like UTMB or something like that, it's a bit more run or hike, more hiking, a little bit slower pace. You know, you might throw in some, Real food products, you know, that you can maybe digest while you're hiking or whatnot. But I think for like races like Black Canyon, like Western States, Havalina, and races where you are running every step and you're going at a pretty fast clip, it's important to keep that in mind that you need a product that is going to be easy to get into the system quickly and to digest pretty quickly. So I did use the the flow gel product from precision hydration. That was my main source of carbohydrates. Well, my only source of carbohydrates. Um, It's great because it it comes in a big flask, like a 300 gram flask. And then you put that into like a soft flask, you know? Um, And so it made it really easy because in my naked belt, I was able to hold one flask of flow gel and i had it rationed out you know according to how much time i thought it would take between each crude aid station um and then i had another bottle of water in the other side of my belt um and then i had a handheld with water and then i had a bag just a, a baggie of of salt pills um and i had those rationed out according to how much water i would intake and then of course if i felt like i needed more salt or Anything then my my crew had um, extra amounts of gel and salt, just in case i I need a little extra, but I was able to execute perfectly um get in um the amount of carbohydrates that I wanted to per hour um, my sodium to water ratio was pretty spot on and um yeah, I felt pretty strong for for most of the day and uh, was able to keep my energy levels up and to get a, a good amount of, of carbohydrates in. But like we've talked about, it wasn't any different than what I did in training. So it was exactly what I did in training and was just able to go into the race and execute. And yeah, worked out really well.
1: Yeah, it seemed really smooth. Like everything the entire day, like from your end, just seemed like smooth and controlled. Like obviously your pacing, but then also the nutritional strategy and like like running with you for the bits with the camera and stuff, like you had zero issues and you looked you looked better than most people all day. And I think it's just because you were focused and you kept it very simple and you weren't like worrying about like this many carbs or this whatever, whatever, you just, you knew what you were going to do and you had had it planned out beforehand.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I've always kind of had that mindset, like keep it simple, you know, like simplicity is good, you know, specificity and simplicity is really what I w- focus on. But a lot of that comes with the preparation, you know, before the race, like if I don't prepare properly, then I can't keep it simple on race day. You know, if, if I'm questioning things going into the race, then I'm not able to do that, you know, but I had no worry about anything. And I think a lot of that comes from just the, the preparation that I did before, you know, my crew, Matt and Kylie, uh, Matt Halverson, Kylie Aldez, they did an amazing job. We kind of had a uh, a strategy going into the aid stations that worked really, really well, where I wasn't, I didn't even have to break stride at all. I was able to go through the aid stations, continue to run all the way through the aid stations, didn't have to stop at all, but was still able to get in what I needed to get in with my hydration and my fueling. Um, and we had practiced that beforehand. And I think that was the biggest thing was, you know, I had gone down to the Black Canyon course four weeks before. Did some training runs on the course and matt and kylie who live in tucson came up to help me uh, we did a dress rehearsal where we ran through the aid stations um, we learned some things that maybe didn't work and things that would work really well on race day and then we set up some calls you know they came up the days before or the day before the race we sat down we talked it all over i had everything prepared before they got there just to make sure that we weren't you know, spending a whole bunch of time and mental and physical energy trying to go through everything. Um, but because we prepared and we did everything beforehand, we were able to do that you know, right before the race where I was able to focus on just doing what I needed to do to get into the zone and be ready for race morning. And it all came together on race day and we were able to execute exactly how we had prepared and it worked out really well.
1: that aspect of the race, I don't know why I find this really interesting, but it was so cool to see how, like, obviously Matt and Kylie coming up and you guys practicing it in Black Canyon while you're doing, like, the run-through, but then, like, the preparation the day before, like, at the house, and to see how that was executed on race day was, it was honestly flawless, and it got shouted out a couple times on the live stream, but as I was filming to watch that, like you said, you didn't break stride once, like, like running through Bumblebee, for example, like, I followed you in, Matt had your bottles, and then Kylie had your gels, and it was just timed perfectly. Where you didn't stop, where everyone else had to stop for at least a minute or two to get their like whatever nutritional strategy ready, and you just kept going. So at that point, you're putting on minutes ahead of these people, and then they have to make a surge to, get, to catch back up to you, right?
0: Yeah, and I think the the thing with that too is it wasn't that I picked up the pace at all after the A station and being like, oh yeah, I just got a minute on these guys, I'm gonna drop them, you know? No, what I was able to do is I was able to maintain the um the pace that I wanted to maintain, I was able to run my own race. I didn't have to put surges in. I didn't have to try and catch up to anybody or, or worry about throwing in these big surges to break people. You know, I was able to just literally maintain a pretty like uh, consistent effort, the entire race, which not only is that huge physically, but that's huge mentally not to have to worry about that while the other guys, you know, like you said, they were having to stop at the aid stations. Um, they were having to try and put these big surges in to catch back up to me. And even though they, they, they did end up catching back up to me after the aid stations, most of the time, I think where it really helped was at the end of the race, you know, because all that compounds, and then you get to the end of the race and then you're not you don't have the energy or you don't have the the freshness to be able to push that last part of the course. And we all know with the Black Canyon course, that last part of the course might be the hardest part of the course. And so I kind of just kept that mindset the whole time was like, I'm conserving so much energy. And even though these guys are catching back up to me and sometimes trying to push on me. I'm just going to stick to my strategy. I'm going to stick to my consistent pacing. I'm going to run within myself. And I'm just going to stay patient and be confident that by the time we get to the end of this race, I'm going to have the energy and they're not. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I was able to, I think from Table Mesa to the finish, I ran a pretty fast split and I was able to gain quite a bit of significant time on the second, third and so forth, uh, people in the race, I think going into table Mesa, I maybe only had a two or three minute lead. And then by the end, you know, I was able to increase that lead by, by quite a bit. And I think part of that was being able to save this time and this energy at aid stations, but also just to be able to run within myself and be confident in my race strategy and do what I knew I needed to do on race day.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that most people think about like energy conservation as simply a physical thing, but like your brain is one of your biggest consumers of energy. And so like if you're out there worrying about like the aid station, you're worried about your crew, you're worried about like your stomach or you're just worrying about anything. That's going to eat up mental energy and then physical energy at some point. And that's going to come back to bite you in the butt. And like as these races become more competitive and trail running becomes more professional, I think these smaller things are going to make a bigger difference in the long run. I like, guess as, as the sport evolves over time.
0: Yeah, we see it in every other sport, right, that that maybe are a little bit more developed than our sport on a professional level, you know, from NASCAR to, you know, Ironman to cycling, you know, those guys aren't wasting any time when they're getting crude or, you know, they're getting bottles or whatever it is. They're in and out as quickly as possible, but they're also doing what they need to do to take care of themselves. And I think that's the most important thing is, if you're rushing through an a station, and you're not doing what you need to do to take care of yourself, or you're missing, you know, carbs, or you're missing hydration because of it, then yeah, take some time, you know, do what you need to do to make sure that you're prepared, because that's going to come back to bite you in the butt later on. But if you're able to do it quick and efficiently and get what you need to get done. You know, why wouldn't you do that? Because that's only going to be an advantage, especially towards the end of races.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it comes back to like, I think as the sport evolves and becomes more professional, the athletes become more professional, obviously. I guess that's kind of redundant. But like, you have to, you have to look at all the small details to win a race. Like, like what was that year at Western States when there was like multiple people on the track? Like everyone finished so fast. And like these minute here and a minute here, it adds up over time. And that can be the difference between a podium spot or just just running a great race, but missing, say, a golden ticket by a couple minutes, which is devastating, honestly, after you put in all that time and effort training.
0: Yeah. And especially like a race like Black Canyon that is fast, you know, um, it's, it's very important. You know, the faster the race, the probably the more important it is. Uh, but that being said, I still think it could be really really important in a race like a UTMB or a Hard Rock or something like that where, you know, you getting, you know, there's even more aid stations, you know, and there's more time in between aid stations. So you getting, you know, a minute or two in an aid station can make a huge difference, especially as it compiles throughout the course of that 100 mile or 20 hour race or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, 100%. And thinking too, just again about like how you were crewed by Matt and Kylie, like you obviously had your A plan and that just like was pretty flawless the entire day, but you also had like kind of a B plan too. Like I think it when it came to cooling, for example, like if we didn't know what the temps were going to be like race day, we expected it to be warm, but ended up being cold, obviously. But like you had like some sort of strategy in place, right? For, for cooling just in case something came up.
0: Yeah, I had a, I always have a B plan for. Fueling, hydration, cooling. Um, you know, if I were to drop a gel or drop some of my salt pills or something, I always have a backup just in case. I'm always prepared. You know, I, I prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Um, you know, at Black Canyon, it the best happened. You know, and I didn't have to really resort to my B plan, which was awesome. But that's not the case in every ultra. You know, some of the ultras. Uh, you do have to resort to your B plan, or sometimes even your C plan. So to have a backup plan is very important. Um, for Black Canyon, yeah, we didn't really have to implement a cooling strategy, which was really nice. Um, it did get a little warm on some sections of the course. is mostly the climbs, and, and I think the, the reason for that was, of course, you're climbing. <laughs> you know, when you're climbing, you're pushing a little bit harder. Um, you're body temp, or your core temps going to raise a little bit. And so actually, I did have kind of a strategy for that, which I thought was pretty interesting. I don't want to give all my tips out. But you know, also, like, I, I do want to help the, you know, the younger generation, and I think it's important. Um, so one thing I would do is every river crossing, you know, there was a river crossing pretty much before every big climb on the Black Canyon course. And I knew that I could take advantage of my climbing ability and just my strength on the climbs and maybe gain some time on some of the the other guys in the field. And so, and even though it wasn't, it wasn't uh, hot on race day, I knew that my body core temp would rise a little bit just because I'm climbing up a, a pretty significant climb. And so at the bottom in the river, instead of like just trying to rush through the river, I would stop and I would get wet. I'd fill my hat up a couple times with water, pour it over my head, you know, soak my shirt, uh, make sure that I got um, wet and cooled off my body temp and my core temp a little bit, and then I would go into that climb and able to push that climb even a little bit harder than maybe I thought I could, and, I'll, and the reason being is I was able to keep my core temp down which helped me be able to be able to push that climb a little bit, which helped me to be able to gain a little bit more time on my competition. And so that was kind of, I guess, a cooling strategy that I used and I think did help throughout the race, um, especially towards the end. And yeah, this year was a bit different. You know, The year I ran Black Canyon and won in 2020, it got close to 80, 85 degrees at the finish line you know this year it was in the low 60s i think at the finish line so honestly like it was a bit different that way which helped but we did have to fight you know mud for 10 miles at the start of this race and we had a lot of other things that we had to had to take into account um but yeah the the temperatures were a bit cooler this year
1: yeah, I want to talk more about the conditions here in a second. But um, before we do that, let's talk about your caffeine intake. Because you said you took a Red Bull like 30 minutes before. Then did you do a couple caffeinated gels as well during the race?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I took the Red Bull um, right before, about 30 minutes before, like I said. Um, and then we've been really testing kind of the my response to caffeine, um, just kind of the half-life of caffeine and going over that, and making sure that we had all that taken into account. I've been testing a lot of that in my training and whatnot. You know, I, I did fly out to the UK um, last year, a couple of years ago. We did some testing in the lab where we did test some caffeine in that as well. And just my response to caffeine. And yeah, so I took uh, the Red Bull 30 minutes before, and then I took a 100 milligram precision caffeine gel at uh, three hours in. And then I took another 100 gram uh, precision uh, gel um, at six hours in. And so total, I think I got close to 350 milligrams of caffeine with the Red Bull, the two gels, close to that, maybe a little less um, throughout the whole race. And yeah, I think it worked really well for me. I was able to feel really strong, felt like the caffeine was put in at the right moments in the race. And yeah,
1: I don't think I would change that up. Yeah. It seemed like it, it worked pretty flawlessly for you. And like the half-life of caffeine, I think is super interesting because most people don't really consider that. Whereas like if like, you took the, you had the Red Bull beforehand and then you waited essentially three and a half hours to have any more caffeine. And I think a lot of people kind of just front load the race with caffeine. And at that point, your, your body's just kind of getting getting wrecked by all the caffeine because you can go out super hard when you blow up really fast. But like, it's pretty important to like regulate it throughout the day. Otherwise your body's just kind of a mess. I feel like.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing is at the beginning of the race, you kind of want to run within yourself, right? You don't want to be pushing too hard or doing crazy things because that's only going to come back to bite you at the end of the race. If you're hyped up on caffeine and you got friggin' 300 milligrams of caffeine in your system or something at the beginning of the race, of course, you're going to feel amazing, you know, and you're probably not going to run within yourself because a lot of the time that caffeine is going to the perceived efforts going to be a lot different. And so I want to make sure that, yeah, I have enough in me that it's helping me and it's, you know, making me feel a little bit better and be able to, you know, um, feel strong and smooth and everything at the start of the race, you know, with that, that change that caffeine does with the perceived effort. But I also want to make sure that I am running within myself, and that you know I'm not doing anything super crazy. And I think also the other thing uh, that's important is with caffeine, you know, caffeine's a diuretic. Um, when you take caffeine, you have to up your hydration um, because to, to take into account with the the diuretic qualities, I guess, of, a, of caffeine. And so if I'm taking a whole bunch of caffeine. It's going to, in, in essence, dehydrate me, especially if I'm not able to get in as much hydration as I would like to, you know, at the start of the race. Um, or like maybe your gut's not trained to be able to handle that much hydration, especially in colder temperatures or something. And then all of a sudden you're, you're peeing a ton because you're drinking a ton and you're um, have a diuretic, you know, with caffeine. Or you're um, not drinking enough and then you're getting dehydrated because of the, the, the diuretic in, in the, or the, the caffeine being a diuretic. So it's, I think it's important that you balance that, like that you make sure that you up your hydration if you're going to take more caffeine. Um, for me, I don't want to have to do that. And I don't think my gut and my urinary tract would be able to handle that. So I try and keep it very balanced, therefore, you know, making sure that I run within myself, but I'm also being able to stay hydrated and under control with my hydration and fueling and everything else.
1: Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the conditions then, because like, I don't know, it was cool. Like you were saying, like last or a couple of years ago, last time you ran Black Canyon, got the ticket. It was like 80 degrees ish. And this year, like the start was what, like 30 degrees or something. Like it was cold and muddy up there in May on the, on the track.
0: Yeah. I think it was like 27 actually. And <laughs> it, was, it was like
1: a super cold North
0: wind as well. Like I remember like getting out of the truck being like, ah, oh, it's actually not too bad. Like it should be all right. And then that wind hit and it was like, holy smokes, that's cold. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty chilly. Um, I had to start the race with arm sleeves and gloves. Um, but you know, after we got going and after we started pushing a bit and we dropped off the top of that, kind of that first Mesa up there by mayor, we, it started warming up pretty quickly. You know, I was able to pull the arm sleeves down, take my gloves off. And by the time I got into Bumblebee, I, you know, I, I dropped the gloves and the arm sleeves off with my crew and, And yeah, I was able to run in a short sleeve the rest of the day. And and the conditions were probably pretty ideal after that. But yeah, the start of the race was pretty cold and very muddy. (laughs) Like for the first like 10 miles of the race, I mean, it was a sloppy mess. I mean, we were trying to decide like, should we run in the mud, you know, on the trail? Because the trail was like completely just muddy, sloppy, nasty. But it was melted in the middle. And then on the sides of the trail, there was snow. But of course it, you were, it was desert terrain with cactuses and rocks and whatnot. So it was like, do I want to run through the snow to try and, you know, not be in the sloppy mud and potentially slip and fall or get all this cakey mud on my shoes? Or do I want to run in, you know, on the trail and avoid all the rocks and jumping cactuses and whatnot? So there was kind of like a mix of both, like taking the proper line. Like sometimes you'd run just off the trail just to make like on the snow, just to like when it wasn't too rocky, just to kind of like get your feet, you know, from being so muddy. And then all of a sudden you'd go right through the middle of the mud. And there were a couple instances where, yeah, I almost fell like I was slipping out pretty good. Um, A lot of the guys behind me were just like, yelling and cussing and, and there was a lot of just craziness going on I did decide to like so in I was in the pack there was a huge pack of like 30 or 40 of us on the on the dirt road you know leading into the single track um just coming out of mayor and I, I was just kind of in the middle of that pack and then I kind of made a, a decision like to move to the front of that pack uh, I didn't want to take the lead but I wanted to be in the like second or third position going on to the single track because I knew it was going to be sloppy and muddy and nasty. And I didn't want to be caught behind everybody like flailing and falling and going through all the mud and getting mud kicked all over me. So I did, I was in that second position right behind another guy just to make sure that I could see the trail properly. I could take the right lines and not have to deal with all that other mess. Um, and I think that was a smart decision, even though I had to run maybe a little faster than I would love, like to, um, right at the start of the race.
1: Yeah. It seems like a good call just for like, I guess, essentially like pacing your energy levels throughout the race. Because like, if you're say 20 people deep at the start and just kind of battling with people, that's frustrating to be stuck back there. And that affects your energy levels throughout the day, both mentally and physically.
0: hundred percent. That was my whole thing was conserve mental and physical en- energy as much as possible. And sometimes being in the lead is how you can conserve that, especially on a nasty muddy trail. And, but then when we got to the drier sections, you know, after like 10 miles or so, I actually fell back a little bit. I, I was back in like fourth or fifth place. I let some of the other guys lead. Um, They were pushing the downhills pretty hard. I think trying to maybe make up some time um, from the muddy section, but I was like, I don't, I don't, that's not, it's not sustainable. It's not smart to try and make up time. Like, yes, I would have, and I did, but, but I would have loved to break the course record. And, and like I said, I ended up breaking the course record, but that wasn't the main goal. The main goal was to podium and get a, a golden ticket, you know, and put myself in a position to win the race. If the course record came because of that, great. But I wasn't chasing a course record. And I thought with the conditions and the little course change that they had to implement, you know, a couple of weeks before, I was thinking to myself, well, the course record might not even be possible. Um, I thought I was in course record shape for the actual course on ideal condition or with ideal conditions. But with the little changes, with the mud and the weather conditions, I was like, you know, the day before the race, I was like, I'm not going to chase a course record. I know I'm in good enough shape to do it, but I'm going to put myself in a position to secure a Western States golden ticket and to win the race. And so that was the objective and it was trying to put myself in a position to make sure that I did that on race day.
1: Yeah. And you, you did it. (laughs) Like, I I think like the proof is kind of in the pudding there. If you want to say it that way, like, like you, you planned for it, you planned for it, you planned for it, you trained for it, and then you executed perfectly on race day. And you looked at every little variable that was there and then obviously you're talented and you put in the effort, but like all these things kind of combined and you got the win and the course record from it. it was pretty incredible, even in kind of substandard conditions.
0: Yeah, I mean, the weather was perfect. And I think that's the thing is like, when when the weather is cool like that, you can run really fast. And so I'm not going to like sit here and say that the, the conditions were terrible because they were actually pretty ideal, especially after those first like 10, 12 miles. Um, but yeah, there were a few course changes that added a little bit of elevation gain, uh, maybe added a little bit of distance. And so I do think potentially on the the regular course or like the, the course that everybody ran last year um, and a drier course, maybe I could have ran a little bit faster. But really, who cares? Like I did what I wanted to do. I executed and I'm just very happy that I was able to do that. And I took a lot out of this race that I can now take into other races like Western States and just really excited to go into this next training block and prepare for Western States properly, continue to be as professional as I can be and just find ways to have advantages at a race like Western States as well. Because like I I was telling people after the race, I said, you know, this is this is a big race for me. It was really important for me. Uh, there was definitely a lot of emotion going into this race and after this race, you know just from what I've been through, I was really, really ex- excited about what I was able to accomplish and very I'm very happy. I'm definitely celebrating. but at the same time, this was my semifinal, or this was my conference championship, however you want to say it. My Super Bowl or my championship is is Western states, and that's what I really want to be prepared for. you know I want to show up at the Super Bowl. And I want to win the Super Bowl. I want to win the the championship. Um, I am looking at this race as just another stepping stone to that and a way for me to learn and grow and and to dial in a bunch of things that are going to really help me at a race like Western states. And so that's what this next block of training will be. We'll have a couple blocks of training because we're you know not till June, as Western states. so um, and just really dial in everything and make sure I'm as prepared as i possibly can and make sure that i'm ready to go like i was for this race
1: yeah exactly and and i guess like states of this year is going to be, be pretty phenomenal to watch like just the guys that ran um a black canyon two days ago now whenever it was like chris myers is, is a solid runner uh jupiter the the mexican guy who just went out there and hammered and crushed all day it was like pretty incredible to watch and then knowing who else is running states this year for the men it's going to be a pretty phenomenal race. Like, it's always fun to watch, but I think even more. So this year is going to be like, pretty intense and I'm, I'm pretty pumped for it.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's always incredibly competitive every year, you know, but yeah, this year will be really fun. I think you have a lot of guys coming in that are, you know, at the top of the sport right now, you know, with Jim and John Albin and different guys like that. You know, you have most of the guys coming back from last year who have experience now on the course and you know they have a lot of very professional guys that are going to be dialed in as well and it's going to be definitely a states to watch it's going to be a really exciting western states this year um we'll see you know what the conditions are like and what that you know holds and and does for the race but i'm just really excited to be in that race again it means so much to me um it's a race that i know that i can run really really well and I don't feel like I've ever ran a complete race at Western States and I'm just really excited to finally be able to have the chance and the opportunity to run a complete race. And I know that if I run a complete race, I can run very, very fast and have a a very incredible performance. And so, um, and that's kind of one of the reasons, again, I, I ran black Canyon is black Canyon was, you know, on paper, one of the most competitive races and it could potentially be one of the most competitive races of the entire year. You know, I knew that there was going to be a lot of competition. You know, I wasn't focused on that. I, um, I was focused on doing what I needed to do and controlling what I needed to control. But I, do, I, I did know that it would be a hard race to win, that it would be competitive, that I would be pushed and that I'd be able to learn a lot from that. And, you know, I think not only physically, but mentally, it was a great race to prepare me. For a race like Western States, it's a it's a really good stepping stone with the competition and all of that, and just the hype around it. So now I can go into Western States and and be even more prepared for all of that that I might encounter at that race.
1: Yeah, for sure, dude. Well, thanks for taking the time. Though it was awesome to watch you out there and race and like have the day that you deserve. And I think people were rooting for you after coming after what happened at States and then having your surgery and coming back in and then seeing you just come out here and like run a phenomenal race, like. Like people were stoked for you. I'm stoked for you. And I know you're, you're pretty pumped yourself. So thanks for breaking all that stuff down. That was, that was fascinating and really interesting.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me on and, and really excited that I was able to share this with other people. And I just like to give a shout out too to all of my crew, all the people that have really helped me to get to this point. I mean, you guys know who you are. Thank you so much for all you've done for me. Um, I have an incredible community here in Cedar City that's helped me so much. You know, you Derek, I mean, you've helped me a ton throughout this whole process. And have constantly been a friend for me and, and a support for me, which I I really, really appreciate. I also just would like to give a shout out to the people that were in the race, you know, at black Canyon, it was a very challenging day and, you know, to see the level of competition raised like that and to see people, you know, be able to execute and do what they did on race day was just incredible. Like Jupiter. The guy that took second place, he pushed me all day. I mean, he was a great competitor, an amazing person. Um, he's a family man. He is just a really good guy. And I really could feel just that, you know, his his presence, you know, and, and his his love for the sport, his love for his family, you know, at the finish line. It was it was awesome to be able to to run against a guy like that. And and Chris Myers, incredible performance. You know, I was (laughs) I heard that he was coming and I was like pretty nervous that he might catch me by the end. But um, he had an incredible day, really standout guy Uh, and just everybody else that was able to, you know, have have good days out there. Uh, Huge kudos to Rachel Drake and uh, the great uh, win that she got on the women's side. She ran an incredible race and can't wait to see what she does at Western States as well.